It's Primus Tracks with Josh, Frankie, and Sawyer. What a couple of dumb shits. Hello, primates. You found Primus Tracks. Congratulations. We are at Primus Tracks on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us at PrimusTracksPod at gmail.com. I don't know what would possess you to do so, but you certainly are welcome to. I am Josh. Joining me today, as always, the Elvis of Primus Tracks, Tim Sawyer, and the Johnny Cash of Primus Tracks, Frankie Berestein. What's up, dudes? Hey. Whoa. I got mentioned before Frankie. Wow. Well, you know, Elvis, Johnny Cash... One or the other, you know? You, you guys are co-headlining. How about that? I, I, I think I'm the third wheel, but I no. don't know why you're... <laughs> you're the anchor. Uh, you <laughs> no, grounded. no, you're the anchor. Um, Frankie is the, the deep sea weight with the hook on the bait. <laughs> uh, so it's funny I said Johnny Cash because I'm looking at our Zoom feed here and we're all the man in black today. This is great. We're all... It's like it's a funeral considering the song. <laughs> And the, the content, maybe we are today. Also, peop, this is funny. People keep asking, hey, do you guys have links to your Zoom videos? I'm like, oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. People keep asking for the videos. Yeah. And like, no way. That shit's yeah. private, man. You don't want to watch us. How boring is watching a Zoom chat? Ugh. Pass. Yeah. <laughs> so those all get destroyed anyway. Sorry, everybody. No great. Like, it's like me sitting there watching Primus record songs and having a video of it. It's boring. <laughs> Well, we're uh, lucky enough to witness our Zoom meetings. Wow. We are we are the luckiest. <laughs> it's like I was lucky enough to witness the records being recorded as boring as they were as they got recorded. <laughs> yep, stop, rewind, record. Stop, rewind, record. Yes, Fun. yes. That was my favorite quote from you so far on making these records. Oh, uh, man. Today we are talking about Rest and Bones. It is track 11 from the Brown album. We actually have a little bit of business to take care of beforehand. First of all, I have been remiss in welcoming members to the Punch Bowl. We have three new members to the Punch Bowl today, and we'll have even more uh, in the next few weeks here. You can also join the Punch Bowl, by the way, by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can say whatever you want, as long as that thing is five stars. Uh, so we're going back a couple of months, but this is a five-star review from Cosmic Lion, who says, Super Brown. He says, love this cast, y'all. Love hearing so much lestery, not history, but lestery. I'll, I'll buy the pun. I'll buy it. Uh, about each and every Primus tune. Soya is an amazing resource and a wealth of hands-on history. There you go, buddy. You all rock so freaking hard. And then he says, I'm on the Traxburger train, so toot toot, y'all, which I'm embarrassed to read. And then he says, also tell Frankie we still need to print all his Primus drawings. Oh, they still remember them. Absolutely. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to Primus recording new material so I can get busy again. There you go. Uh, our next five-star review is from Dick Sparks, <laughs> which is a great name, uh, who says, I, I, I am really enjoying the content structure and various personalities. And they say, Primus has been my band for 30 years. I've grown up with them, seen them play on stage. Uh, there's a ton of great stuff here for a person interested in recording, photography, Red Rocks, and touring in general. I think you guys sh should carefully... Oh, yeah, then they suggest that we should try to talk to Carl Thompson, who mm, has probably never heard of a podcast. Our last five-star review today is titled Soya is God from Ultrasound Tommy. <laughs> Tommy says, very clever podcast, creative, entertaining. Josh and Frankie are great hosts, but I thoroughly enjoy Soya and the other behind-the-scenes folks he ropes in as guests. I love the road stories. He is a man of pure power. 
Tommy from Ultrasound. Yes, that one. That's how he signs. Wow. You know this, Tommy? Of course I do. Tommy Lyons works for Ultrasound. He was the monitor guy for the Oysterhead tour. Oh, killer. All right. He's also worked with all the Ultrasound acts, Dave Matthews and Grateful Dead and all that stuff over the years. But he's always circling in and out of Primus stuffs here and there. He's a really good friend of mine. We've toured many times together. Wow. Amazing. He's good buddies with Matt Hosh, who he's mentioned on that episode. Yeah. (laughs) Tommy Lyons is legit, dude. Shoot. I mean, he says Soya is God, so (laughs) he must be right. He must be. I'm not sure how many beers he had before he said that, but. uh... (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, thanks, Tommy. Uh, as well as thanks, uh, Tommy Lyon, you're the best. Yeah, so we'll, we have a few more, but uh, if you get those five star reviews in, we'll definitely read them on the air. I want to transition to Captain Shiner's yacht because I want to thank profusely Brad in Seattle for his overly generous donation. Believe me, we didn't deserve it, but thank you, Brad. Um, if you want to drop us some coin to support the podcast, it all goes to server costs so we can keep this up for years and years and years to come. Uh, you can email us, primustrackspod at gmail.com. That's also our PayPal account. You can also DM us on Instagram for some details. But the long and short of it is, you donate, you get some pretty sweet Primus Track stickers. And yes, I owe you some more soya. They're coming. So that's how that works. Uh, let us know, please. And all members, oh, I should mention this. I'm so sorry. All members, you don't just receive stickers. All members also receive other perks, such as uh, if you go to the Great Courses website, you can see a series of free lectures by Frankie about David Bowie. Oh, yes. Please come. <laughs> the more people that show up, the longer wow, that, they that's keep a Frankie very uh, weird thing to say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rest in Bones, track 11 from the Brown Album. Clock's in at four and a half minutes, Soya. Man. Four and a half minutes. I I listened to it today for the first time in 20-odd years. (laughs) And I have to say, after a moment of listening and listening and listening, I was like, God, how fucking long is this song? And I looked down (laughs) at my player, and it said 3.02, and the song is 4.30. I was like... Nothing has changed. Just keeps going on and on and on and on and on. Like they're just going to keep going on the same thing. It never changes, man. Yeah, we're gonna we're definitely going to talk about that. And I think that's the reason why the one live cut that we have was an interlude. And Frankie, I think you have more on live history for Rest and Bones. All right, Josh. So live history, uh, as you mentioned is extremely short for this one. As I mentioned in other episodes, Brown Album is uh, the first Primus album where certain songs were either never performed live or performed very rarely. So Resting Bones was only performed once. And uh, Wow. All right, so Nick, please, uh, when you listen to this episode, rate my pronunciation. It was performing Nijmegen. In in the Netherlands. So this was uh, in June 26, 1997. It's the only known performance. And as you mentioned, Josh, it was inserted in the middle of too many puppies. Why don't we give it a listen and see what you guys think? Yeah, so this is following the solo. Uh, sorry, this is following the guitar solo. So we're getting the bell there and Les does something with it.
grief. That's so the goes, only live performance ever of that song. Yeah, frankly. that's it. And w- do you know the venue that that was at? What's the venue, Josh? Oh, I can't pronounce that. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> uh, okay, in phonetic English, I would read it as Vereniging. Me too, Vereniging. Nijmegen has a famous punk rock place called the Dorn Rouge, which Victim's family always played and packed, and Primus used to play and pack before they got to the next level. It's like this really killer club. But obviously, that wasn't at that club. But that, that town is awesome. Nijmegen is very famous like for metal and punk bands coming through and in and out of that town. Ah, that's excellent. That's always the stop. Uh, so Frankie, when you start your punk band. Okay. <laughs> your ve- vegan Mexican punk band. That was the most skeptical okay I've ever heard of my life. That was phenomenal. Thank you, Frankie. <laughs> but that's You it, will but... obviously be the singer, Frankie. Oh, Because you yeah. can't Definitely. play anything, right? <laughs> you got it. Um, and I really want you to just deliver all your vocals like you did your Viva La France, you know, a couple of months oh, ago. Oh, yeah, for sure. You got to get up there. <laughs> oh man, so that was that's it. it huh? Very interesting to hear that. You know that that was cool that they busted into that. You know, it kind of fit with the with brain just going on the the bell there, and then and then less just doing the lyrics, uh, yep. just kind of chanting those lyrics, and brain knew what to do from there. That was pretty cool. I wonder. Uh, I am curious how often it got rehearsed, uh, if it made it there at least as an interlude, if at all. Mm-hmm. It's one of those. It's one of those tracks uh, that personally I feel we are never going to hear live unless they do a full album performance. Yeah. I just don't oh, picture this song popping up in the set lists randomly. This one is lost to history. I think if you if you get this one, you are probably the luckiest Primus fan of all time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you got this one uh, in an unpronounceable city for me in an unpronounceable <laughs> venue. Good for you. <laughs> We're all very jealous. <laughs> but that's it for the live history. Yeah, let's talk about the track itself. So once again, four minutes and 30 seconds. I was going to hint at it, but Soya already did. It's a long four minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, oh, I the same thing over and over again. <laughs> it, we've been talking about this album a lot, Soya, where you know you said they got you have your A part, your B part, you mix them up a little bit and you're out. This one is just an A part for four and a half minutes. Right, right. Holy smokes. Um, Man. Okay, so let's go back to recording the song or where the song came from. This song goes back to the moment we were rehearsing at Ultrasound, doing pre-jams. This is the actual first drum beat that Les said, Brain, what do you got? And Brain's like, well, we got everything set up. And he's sweating, just like, oh, I'm nervous. I'm what the fuck? And Les goes, okay, we've been jamming. Come on, Brain, what do you got? He's like, oh, I've been working on some stuff. I got this beat. How about this one? And he played that. And it was like, ooh, shit, dude. Who can do? It's like, that's impossible. Right, that's a song. hard beat, man. And that's when he flipped out to Les. That first moment, Les said, "Come on, Brain, you're in the band now. What do you got?" That was the first beat that Brain brought into Primus. Dang. Was Bless and Bones, dude. That's awesome, and it, it def- and it made the record, of course. And uh, you're absolutely right. When I think about it as one pedal, one foot, Brain's got yeah. a fast foot there, man. 
Totally. And it's perfect. It's in time. It's drum machine perfect. Cause that's yeah. brain. Yeah. But whatever. I mean, that, that became what that jam went up to Rancho Relaxo and became that song. But that was the absolute first time Les said, brain, what do you got in your bag to bring to this band? Nice. Was that beat. That's a, it's a great beat, you know? And when I think about a, a lot of the, uh, other kinds of music that Brains participated in, especially f- from around this time period with El Stu, some of the electronic music and that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. I can see where his head was and he's he's just dropping this awesome beat. It's tough to play, as you stated. And I don't think drummer or non-drummers, I don't think, understand that. So Yeah, I mean, it, it's a tough nut to be in that situation to get in a band with Les Claypool. Obviously, Brain is buddies with him, Limbos and blah, blah, blah all the bands we all been around and we all knew how good everybody was or what everybody could do. But when all of a sudden you're in the jam room with Les Claypool and you're in Primus and Lur standing there and Les goes, what do you got, dude? Give me a fucking beat. And brain went, Les was like, whoa, it's like, all right, I'll jam to that. You know, I mean, that's what he that's what he flipped out square one, you know, like from first base, you know, that's phenomenal. So it makes the record, obviously. And when we when they get up to Rancho and are recording that this is one that made it into the tile room with the single mic, correct? Totally. I mean, uh, that song, obviously, you can hear that we we had to put a mic in the kick drum because the kick drum is is like. If you listen to Arnie or those other songs, you can't hear anything. It just is like this cacophonous drum sound, right? Uh-huh. And so we had done those tracks. And when we got to this song, I was like, oh, yeah, that one that one tune, doom, gut, gut. And, and he was playing it. It's like, nope. And we put a mic in the kick drum to get the cat. So there was two mics on the drums on this song. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense because if you just went with the one, as, okay, you so don't hear the sure. definition of that killer kick pattern, okay? Like that robot machine, right? Yeah, that sound would have just blown everything else out of the water, or what, dude? You just couldn't hear it, it because there's one mic in the room, yeah. Okay. And all you heard was, you know, the levy breaks. It's like we need definition on that kick because that's driving the song, uh huh. You know? Okay, but it still does, even of course, adding one microphone is not going to take away from the great ambiance of that room and that big. It did not, but you could hear the kick drum at least. Yeah. (laughs) You could hear how powerful Brain was hitting, like it was ripping, you know? Yeah. We had to put a little mic in there and grab that so we could. Come on, we got to have that in there, dude. Yeah. And he's, as you said, he's hitting really hard even in the studio. Oh, with always his, with dude. his hands, but I assume he's doing the same thing with the shoes. Brain is not a light player on any level at any appendage of his body. He beats <laughs> the fuck out of everything, dude. <laughs> oh boy! Wow. Okay. Yeah, he, he he's a song. funny dude, man. But when he gets on stage or he gets in the studio and it's it's time to like unleash and lay the track or play the show, he does not hit like a wimp, dude. He never wimps. Yep. That's where that came from. Don't be wimping, dude. <laughs> now it's always, always telling me. That's don't brain. Be <laughs> Thanks, brain. <laughs> I'm, Josh, uh, I'm saying like when, when he came up with that part, I mean, you guys don't play instruments or drums, you know, whatever. Drums, no. But if you're a drummer and you listen to that track and you hear him go, cat and cat, 
cut with one kick drum. Good luck trying to play that one, dude, for four 30 seconds, right. you know, four minutes. 30. Dude, good fucking luck, man. <laughs> and that yeah. song, the whole, that was one take, dude. We did that one take. We, we might have done it three times, but yeah, he ripped that shit, dude. Do you remember as far as the planning for this one that it was just brain lay that down for for four minutes and we'll do something with it? Was there a talk of a B part or that that part's so cool and and he does it for four and a half minutes? I was wondering yeah. if they didn't want to break that up. Yeah, I, you know, it's like uh, one of those things that is constant through the Brown album is there's not much create structure and other parts and add stuff. Everything is like A, B, A, B, and, or A, and, or. That's that one. Overworked Bob's party time where it's yeah. like 10 zillion parts crammed in there. Yeah. Like Les used to do. I don't know. I mean, that, that drum part really drove it and Les came up, came up with that bass line. But Lur's guitar part is what I remember being like the glue to that whole song, you know? Uh-huh. And that was one of those other moments I remember sitting there for a couple of days where it was just me and Lur, and he kept calling, and he was trying to come up with that part, you know, and he, and he got it. And it, it's amazing. Listening back to it today was awesome, man. It's a very haunting part that, that Larry yeah. came up with. And I think that's yeah. the highlight for sure. Les takes the back seat in the song, which is, yep. which is weird, you know, like he doesn't do much, you know, he just kind of holds back and lets Lur and Brain drive this whole thing. Yeah, for sure. Josh, can you please sample the song at one minute and 58 seconds so we can appreciate Lur's guitar part? Yep, that's the highlight right there. With that lick going over that beat, uh, it's pretty great. No, in the end, like right at the outro, maybe the last like 20... No, it's here. It's here like in the bridge. Uh, he does some different stuff. But in the outro, he goes, it does some weird Satriani like, wheelie, wheelie, wheelie. something comes in there in the end. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I can play that part because I had it time stamped myself. I think awesome. you're talking about this. Love that little yes, one right there. Yes, Nice. Yeah, whatever he does there, it's so uh, out of left field, and he, he's doing all these little things throughout that, you know, just sprinkling in some things for us, and I do appreciate I, I that. I think he goes into demonic minor right there. That's definitely demonic minor, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Larry is coloring this quite nicely, because you're right, the bass uh, does take a back seat. I mean, there's almost yeah. none to speak of. Um, and I do wonder why he went so minimal here other than, well, let's change it up. I'm just going to play this little thing and you two carry it. I can't. Yeah, well, I mean, brain is driving the song yep. and, you know, less had to have had that in his brain that like in his mind that like, okay, brain is driving the song. I'm going to take a back seat. And Lur came up with that really cool guitar haunting thing and it just kind of droned along as it was and he came up with lyrics on top of it yeah yeah it does sound to me i use the word haunting and the reason is i i feel like uh if larry lalonde came back as a ghost that's the sound he would make (laughs) you know i love that guitar track i I remember sitting there with him and me and him just going okay this is it dude this is cool yeah got it yeah um it's uh, 
Josh, I, I have a theory um, about why Liz is taking a backseat. Um, it reminds me of a similar situation with uh, On the Tweak again. The character in the track is a very understated character, and that's reflected in the baseline. And here, I mean, the main character of this song uh, is exhaustive, right? I mean, yes. he's he's on, on, on the verge of death. So the baseline probably reflects that, right? Keep it's minimal, it's sparse, yeah. because, I mean, this guy, I, I mean, the, what he's saying in the lyrics, those are basically his last words. Essentially, yeah. So the <laughs> this is what... Uh, Hundred-year-old Les Claypool sounds like playing the bass. He's like, I can give you this, <laughs> right. but I'm I'm tapped out. The rheumatism, yeah, maybe. I mean, it could be that that he's. Uh, if you want to make that connection, but I I also think he wanted to give Brain plenty of space for that badass beat because I you know I was sitting there going, what baseline would I write for this beat? There's you could go in a million different directions, right. but it's not it's not, I'm not Les Claypool, so it wouldn't sound like Primus if I did it. You know, if I did some. Uh, some, you know, palm muted open strings, do, 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 over, you know, going along with the bass drum. It just yeah. wouldn't sound like Primus. We do get a little bit of that where Larry is, uh, he's doing some pecking during the verses, but you have to listen pretty closely. I don't think I ever heard it until I listened to this album wearing earbuds or really nice headphones that Lur is pecking some uh, 16th notes. And it's just during the verses under the, the vocals. Plus, the, the previous track was pretty intense, and the following one is equally intense so i think this track functions as a sort of palette cleanser which they had already been doing in previous albums uh-huh. but even though in things like frizzle fry or seas of cheese they were like just these very short pieces of music and for these later albums they developed the palette cleansers as full tracks perhaps but man this beat uh you know when i think of the palette cleansers i think of ones that are a little more simple although with this record hats off is uh that's a that's a kind of a polished little tune even though it's just kind of an a you know kind of like this one it's just kind of an a part that runs along but it's not 42 seconds and there aren't any animal noises unfortunately so that's the (laughs) you're right maybe it is a palate cleanser in that regard but it is a pleasure to hear brain just pound away for four and a half minutes although um you know it's it, I guess there's just not enough to sustain it in the sense that it's the A part for four and a half minutes, even though we get a nice guitar lick from Larry and a couple variations on it and a great drum beat. I mean, you, you have to take into consideration the, the interim of where Primus was at the time, post Tim quitting, Brian coming in, this was that record. And I, I think Les really tried to take a back seat and allow the band to breathe a little bit and him not be like the dominant figure as yeah, kind of where I, I feel like a lot of these songs were so unstructured in that sense, you know, whereas like you go back to Frizzle Fry and it's like there's 27 parts to every song and it's all intertwining and yep. all makes sense around the story. He's weaving. It's like older six albums later or five albums later. It's like, let's just chill out. Let this happen with brain you know, yep. and see what happens, you know. And I think it's definitely groove oriented in that regard. Um, so I'll, I, I think I buy that. Uh, and I was just skimming some commentary that he had around the making of the Antipop record where he said the last couple of albums, I wasn't myself necessarily. And yeah. this album, in reference to Antipop, I'm really driving it now. And I'm I'm the lead player again, which is interesting because, well, we'll get into that record. But when you when you look at his perspective or his take on it for the subsequent album and then look at the Brown album through that lens... I suppose that's what it does sound like because there aren't as many bass theatrics throughout this record. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a personal pause in his musical career, you know? Obviously, everything shifted. So the album's not going to be Seize the Cheese again, you know, or whatever, or Punchbowl. Right. It's like brains in the band and everything's changed mentally, physically, structurally, touring wise, writing wise. Everything has completely changed all of a sudden. So, right. I think that's why, like, some of these songs are very simplistic, you know? I mean, that's what I always felt well, as we were recording this stuff, you know? Like, Les took a back seat for once, you know, and not try to drive this shit down your face with what he does. Let's let this band breathe for a second, you know? Okay. I'm making shit up, I guess. <laughs> uh, it's your input's, of course, valid. That's why you're here. That, that's, an, that's an important point that you make. And uh, I do want to ask you something about the drums, too, because one thing that we talked about with Year of the Parrot my favorite Primus track of all time, uh, is that yeah. Tim Alexander is playing that really great drum lick in 7-4, but he felt trapped by it. He could get some fills in, but he, he's, you know, you, I think you said he just felt like he had to do that in 7 the entire time. I'm wondering if Brain felt like he couldn't find anything else to do with this pretty sweet beat on Rest and Bones, or if it was just a group decision. Yeah, just do that the whole time. Man, I, I think that simplicity was the, the driving factor of yep. this whole record, you know? Yeah. Keep it simple. Let's not try to overthink it and make all these part to part to part to part. Go back, go to here, go to there. Yeah. Make it all around this storyline. Like, it kind of went in this direction of like, it just was this. It's just some songs were A, B, that's it. Some yeah. songs were A, B, a B then an outro. Mm -hmm. Some songs were A. <laughs> yep. We got a <laughs> few those on the record. I, and that's just, fine, yeah. I think it was less really trying to like find a way to not be so complicated, you know? Yep. And is it is it better for him to be simplistic, you know? And a lot of these tunes, you know, Brandon Lur were like, that's it? He's like, Yep, that's it. Okay. Right. You don't question the the leader of the band you know or the master of like what we're all focusing on as this record is going to come out as you know yeah oh that makes i guess that makes sense too that okay that's it all right bud you're you're the one running the show and so. less has a vision in his head you know and a lot of times we don't know what that vision is and he says yeah. done i got a vision you go yeah. okay next and then we hit record and do the next song move the mics or move the drums or do whatever yeah it does seem like this record, the idea was to to just make it a big groove box, and it's it's full of grooves. Um, yeah. yeah, and and Brain lays the grooves down. I mean, that's oh, really yeah. I think where Les was like taking the back seat was like Brain is driving the bus, man. Yeah, yeah, he's pushing it down the road. And what are you going to do? Let's let's see what happens with this. You know, right on. You know, I don't. Yeah, but there's not much else to say about the music because it is kind of it is repetitive and once again there's no rules for music so you can be as repetitive as you want this track just right has to be one frankie i'm interested in your take on the vocals and the lyrics because uh, really all i wrote down for the vocals is that less is very robotic in his delivery of the vocals until the very last line where he almost whispers the slip away and die yeah well the lyrics um on paper uh tell a you know a pretty interesting story they don't read as, as lyrics at all outside the context of the song the narrative uh it's kind of like a short story would you agree absolutely yeah 
Yeah, I mean, looking at these lyrics, you, you can kind of see uh, that urge that Les probably had since then to tackle writing at some point through a novel, which he eventually right. did. That's what I get from these lyrics. Uh, the story is pretty straightforward. It's very evocative. You know, as I read through each line, I can picture perfectly the, the scene that he's describing. That's one of his greatest talents. Yeah. I can picture the entire history, in the entire story in my mind. Right. I also think Les is really into these kind of characters, this this worried man, this this broken down older dude, uh, because it just seems like he was born 60 years old um, in a lot of yeah. ways. You know, he he had the nickname Granddad for a long time. Part of it is because he was older than some of his contemporaries. He's a few years older than Lur and Brain and Merv and those guys. But uh, I think he likes playing that part, too. I don't know what you think, Soya. Well, you know, I mean, you have to play the part of who you are and he always emphasizes everybody who they are, you know, with nicknames and Josh, there's a part in the song that reminds me of Pudding Tain. Can you guess which one? Oh, the uh yes, I think I can. And I think it's I, I was looking for a sound effect so I could give myself applause or something. But um, yeah, I think I can guess it. I think it's the part where he says, uh, when I was your age, I did it all more than any man could do. That's my guess. Yeah, that one works. But I was thinking of resting my bones for lon- loneliness of being the only genius around. Oh, I was so close. That's, yes, that's, that's a, a very pudding tainy line. That's a good point because pudding tains, as we figured out, he's uh, he's just a braggart. He's all, yeah. all show, no <laughs> substance. Yeah, absolutely. So, oh, that's a good point, Frankie. There is a little bit of a connection there, at least thematically, um, of this guy who, because he does say, I did all these things, but we don't know if he actually did. He could be full of shit. So, and this is one of those guys that uh, you might happen upon on a city street, and, uh, you know, he's definitely worn down. At least he's got a lighter and some clothes, but that's what all he says he has, you know. So, those are some interesting characters, and I've talked to a few of those in my day. Um, so, <laughs> but you know, I, I want to go, I want to look at it in, in the sense that to me, this sounds like less doing Tom Waits, doing Charles Bukowski. Like it just seems kind of derivative yeah. in that regard. Cause if you've read, I don't know, three Bukowski poems, they're all the same, you know, like you've read the archetypal, uh, piece for this, you know, cause you got your old guy going on about his exploits. Uh, he's been reduced to nothing, mostly probably by himself, because of the whiskey, the wine. And then he's talking about seeing Elvis at the horse track. You know, he's one of those guys. So he's definitely a broken man. But to me, those are all, it's like checking all the boxes of a Bukowski poem in a lot of ways. I recommend you guys listen to a song called Bukowski by Modest Mouse. It's really incredible. I'm, I'm not versed in Bukowski, so I've never even heard it so or read it. I am a punk rock metalhead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's no better place to start though than Bukowski if you're a punk rock metalhead. Yeah. If you well, want to get into know. literature, he's kind of he's kind of your booze-soaked entryway. He really. I is. read I read all the Hemingway. I read all the Steinbecks and all that crap. You know, <laughs> Bukowski will get you oh, there. I got I got nothing. It it could be poems. It could be short stories. Whatever Bukowski doesn't like. He's he's his own dude. That's for sure. Uh, well, anyway, that's where I wanted to go with it. It just, to me, it's uh, it's almost generic, but it's the Brown album. So, you know, Les isn't going for the bombastic stuff. He's telling these smaller stories with these unsavory characters. So um, it does fit thematically in that regard. But to me, it's, you know, it's it's a little derivative of something I've seen before. Trivia mm-hmm. question, Frankie. Do you know what Knock and Do is? What, what, what is? 
Nakadu, because he says they pass around a, a flask of Nakadu and a half liter bottle of wine. Uh, which paragraph is that in? I don't remember. <laughs> you okay, I found oh it. My so God. he says, we Hold passed on. around a flask, a flask of Nakadu. No idea. Okay, so Nakadu, uh, do you know what that is, Soya? Josh, before I even answer the question, <laughs> we need to make a special trophy post. Frankie was stumped. I stumped Frankie. <laughs> yeah. I did. By Josh Bald. Wow. <laughs> oh, it only took Frankie 75 said, episodes. Hold on. On a Primus tracks, Frankie said, I have no idea. I'm definitely going to clip out. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm amazed right now. This is a, a spectacular moment because I have no idea what it is either, dude. Frankie, I'm with you, man. Oh, man. Do is a single malt whiskey. Um, and it's from a small village in Scotland of the name uh, Nakandu. And actually, uh, wow. when I was in Scotland three years ago, I ended up only about 20 miles away from that place, but I didn't know it was there. Uh, also, fun fact, when I was in Scotland for 10 days, I drank zero whiskey, which is like a sin. But I drank a lot of cask beer, which is wonderful. And everybody That's should what just I drink, go. always. Yeah, I don't go drink, drink cask beer. Man. Oh, Dude, so good. out of Scotland and Ireland and all that English shit, there's probably 16 billion whiskey names or yeah, you bet. Scotch names. It's like that, that let's pull that name out, knocking new or whatever the hell he said. Yeah. Apparently, it's pretty popular in certain parts of Europe. That's all I know. Hmm. I guess it's I drink beer, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, there you go. That's pretty much all I have on the lyrics. It is, it's kind of like a Bukowski short story or poem. Your run-of-the-mill tragic Primus character. <laughs> I like the term run-of-the-mill because I've never used that to describe anything <laughs> Primus before. Fantastic. But within the universe of Primus, you can have run-of-the-mill. And I think, Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. This, this is kind of like a boilerplate character, and then you less builds on it. But in this one, you just went boilerplate. Uh, I, hey. I, I think it's safe to say that Brain's drum part and Lur's guitar part rule this song. Absolutely. They, they carry it. Absolutely. Um, for four and a half minutes, even though sometimes it feels like nine and a half. Can you just say we've been tracked? Jesus Christ. couple more things, buddy. No, we got a couple, <laughs> oh, couple more. things to go. A couple yeah. more things. All right. So speaking of Nakandu, my 1897 connection is that Nakandu Distillery was built in 1898. Oh, we were so close. What are you going to do? But he had to have the plans in 1897, the founder. So I'm counting. <laughs> Frankie, you have one, right? Yeah, Josh, Tim. What I got for you today are five bone facts, which are absolutely fascinating. Well, this works because bones were around in 1897, I'm led to believe. Totally. Okay. All right. So, guys, check this out. Number one, you are born with 300 bones, but many of them fuse. So, you are left with 206 as an adult. Number two, 51% of your bones are in your hands and feet. That's 27 bones per hands and 26 per foot. Number three, bones are alive. Number four, the strongest bone in your body is the long bone called the femur, and it can resist forces as much as 2,500 pounds. And number five, get ready for this one, Josh. The giant of Castle now myth refers to three bone fragments, a humerus, tibia, and a femoral myth shaft discovered in 1890, possibly dating back to the Neolithic. Allegedly, these bones may have belonged to one of the tallest humans known to have existed. 
it is estimated from the bone size that th this human may have been three meters, 3.50 meters. So that's about 11 feet, six what? inches tall. No modern studies have been published about these giant bone fragments because they went missing. That's five bone facts for you. Wow. I'm still reeling from number three that they are alive, but uh, wow, those are those are interesting ones. It's funny that you you named the humerus because anytime I hear the word humerus in reference to the bone, I think of my 11th grade physiology teacher, Mr. Shoop, who uh, he we were learning you know anatomy and and bone names and all that stuff, and he's like, I got I got a really easy way for you guys to remember this one. Josh, come up here. I was like, Yeah, Mr. Shoop, what's up? Because Roll up your sleeve a little bit and flex for us. I was like, all right. So I rolled up my sleeve and flexed my bicep. And he goes, see that, everybody? That's humorous. And that really hurt my feelings. But darn it, I'll never forget that in bone. We get the record for the biggest boner. <laughs> what? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. What's going on? No, bone. Just bone. You guys are talking about whales and sheep and Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, I thought you were at some point going to do the old middle school joke of, uh, you know how there's 206 bones in the human body? Right now I've got 207. I have no idea what you're talking about. You don't about. know that one? Oh, man. You're a punk rock metalhead. You got to know that one. Dude, you're talking like sixth grade scholastic <laughs> joke humor stuff. <laughs> They're not publishing that in Scholastic Magazine. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I used to read highlights, dude. They didn't have that in there. <laughs> Oh my gosh, can you imagine Goofus and Gallant talking about that one? That'd be great. All yeah. right. Thank you for that, Frankie. Uh, thanks for the boner talk, too, so I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, we already did our one live cut of this track, because there will never be another. And uh, Where's the cover track? I do have a cover. Can you believe this? I have oh, a cover. Wow. I am happy to report. Why okay. are you trying to get rid not <laughs> even do the cover track? That's my favorite moment of every episode. Here it comes. So yeah, I found a cover of Rest and Bones, and I have to say, I was shocked to Where's find Where's the band from? This cover of Rest and Bones was posted in September of 2019, so about two years ago on YouTube, and okay. it was posted by a guy from Poland. Awesome. I'm and Polish, so I love this already. Here you go. This And this is solo acoustic guitar for Rest and Bones. Now, I know that doesn't make sense off the top of your head, but listen to what this guy does with Rest and Bones with simply an acoustic guitar. pretty unique man that was amazing dude he was like charlie hunter bass and guitaring that shit man he was playing all three parts at once pretty much it was pretty cool i don't know how he did it with three teeth but he did it man yeah <laughs> yep and he's nailing the voice too like he was getting really gravelly there i really enjoyed that, that. i think ripping. that's the delivery actually that's one of the better ones that you've pulled up man yeah yeah that was cool so uh, congratulations, sir, for one, even thinking to cover Rest and Bones, and two, doing it by yourself and doing it successfully. That's pretty darn impressive. 
Josh, um, closing thoughts on Resting Bones. Go for um, it. It's definitely an album track. Uh, it works best in the context of the full album. And I just want to say that I can't believe that we have actually reached this song. I mean, when we started this last year, Resting Bones was like a million years ahead. And I'm just so glad that we are here today talking about this track, that Soya is on board, and that we're talking about whales and bones and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> well, it and was not the... talking about David Bowie. On <laughs> Get your own podcast, dude. It definitely was the yard marker. I remember when we started this podcast, right before we started recording the Suck on This episode, uh, you said to me, Josh, I can't wait till we get to rest of bones. Then we'll know we've made it. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> we finally did it. Oh. My goodness. Uh, rest in bones. Let's get you a hot meal, buddy, because you've been tracked. Next time, Frankie, I think Soya's going to roll up in his car and say, get in, losers. We're going to Cottingtown. Bring me on back. Man, Viva la France. Viva la Cottingtown. Jesus Christ. I think we've had it today. Later days. Josh, I seen Soya last week at the track. Oh, did he win any money? Uh, I don't know. I was at the bar. <laughs> That's where it all goes. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.